Hey everybody, welcome to the Wednesday night service. As you can see, we're doing a little bit of a different thing tonight, live streaming. It is only because of the rolling power outages from Edison, so uh, we don't want you guys to be super hot and melt in the heat with no AC. Uh, we're in the back of Victory Hall here where we do have uh, AC uh, that they don't shut off, so that's good news. So we're nice and cool in here. I hope you're nice and cool at your house and you're staying comfortable in this heat wave. We are going to make it through it, but us desert people know how this go. We have got this. Amen. So I'm going to open up in prayer. We're going to have some praise and worship tonight. We got Josh and none other than Katie Brady in the house. She's going to help us lead some worship and it's going to be absolutely awesome. And then I've got a word for you tonight. Last week we started a little teaching on uh, signs of being lukewarm. Well, this week I'm going to tag onto that and do a part two for it and just kind of let us examine ourselves. You know, it's not, not something to judge us or to be critical, but it's something to um, let us examine ourselves because it's the end times. And we have got to be prepared for anything and everything because we are in the army of God. Amen. So let's pray. And then I'm going to have Josh and Katie Brady come on up, lead us in some worship. And I want you to join in. All right. And hey, while you're watching right now, share this video on Facebook and get some other people to join in too. And if you're on YouTube, then hey, just have a good time. Amen. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, that we get to just be together tonight, even if it's virtually. And we're going to worship you. We're going to lift your name high. We're going to make the name of Jesus loud and we are going to listen and study to your, your word. I thank you, Lord, that you're with us and we're going to have an awesome home run time tonight. We love you. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen. All right, guys, get ready, get loosened up. We're going to have some praise and worship. Amen. All right. Well, this is uh, different, like Pastor Dave said, than we've ever done before. So this is legitimately Really live, so I need you guys to all stand up at home if you can, and we're just going to sing and worship the Lord together. The King of all creation set aside his crown. A servant to the Father's love descended from the throne above. A author of salvation giver of new life crucified to pay for sin our righteousness is in the name of jesus every heart and tongue confess your name above all names all things of this world Belong to you forever, you will reign. The God of resurrection, conqueror of death. Ruler over everything, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings is Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name above all names. All things of this earth 
belong to you forever. You will reign. Highly exalted is the name of Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth declare all praise to Jesus Christ. Highly exalted is the name of Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth declare all praise to Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name above all names. All things of this earth belong to you forever. You will reign. One more time, let's sing highly exalted. Highly exalted is the name of Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth declare all praise to Jesus Christ. Highly exalted is the name of Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth declare all praise to Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name above all names. All things of this earth belong to you forever. You will reign. Jesus, every heart and tongue confess your name Above all names, all things of this earth belong to you forever. You will reign. Give up. 
And I was having a good time in worship right there. I was getting caught up into that. That was good. Uh, praise God. Well, as we get ready to move into the rest of the service tonight, we are going to go ahead and do our Wednesday evening tithes and offerings. And so I know you guys are probably at home just hooping and hollering, jumping up and down because you're so excited. And that's because... God loves a cheerful giver, right? And I know that at High Desert Word Center, we actually call uh, tithes and offerings time happy time. And so uh, that may sound confusing to some people, but it's not confusing to us. We love to give to God. And so let me show you a verse we're going to look at here tonight. Luke 12, verse 34. Luke chapter 12 and verse 34. And if you're giving there, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving and totally give online, which is a great way. A lot of people are doing that right now, and we super appreciate that. And uh, if you want to wait till Sunday or something, you can totally do that too. But Luke 12, and we're going to look at verse 34 because Jesus said something right here that is very compelling. And I mean, just... How do you argue with it? It's very, very true. Luke 12, verse 34, Jesus himself said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, and so our treasure is our resources, our finances, our means, wherever we put that, that's where our heart is. And so if you've really got a heart for music, I mean, you probably buy a lot of music or you probably go to a lot of concerts or whatever the case is or donate to different arts. If you've got a love for food and hey, I'm not going to judge because I've been there. Okay. And the struggle can be real. But if you've got a love for food, man, you just, you want to go everywhere. You want to experience different uh, things and taste and foods. And, and that's great. You have every right to do that. But also, undeniably, if God has a hold of your heart, then you're going to be a giver. You are going to give to church. You're going to give to missions. You're going to give to charity. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And whether you agree with it or not, that doesn't matter. It's the truth of God's word. And that can be proven time and time and time again. Wherever we put our money, that's where our heart is also. Okay? So we're going to say the financial faith confession together. If you're at home, say it loud, say it proud and speak some words of faith over your giving. I mean, with this is not just something we do because we've got nothing better to do and we need to stretch the service out by an extra 45 seconds. We do this because it's real and it works. And I can tell you that in 2020, I, for one, am really glad that I've been speaking words of faith over my finances for years at this point. It's a good thing. I don't regret it at all because it's really paid off. So let's speak these words together and, and, and speak it from our heart. Let's really mean this, okay? As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, 
bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's bring our tithes up. Oh, wait, no, don't do that. Just go ahead and hit that send button on your phone if you need to or whatever it is you're doing, all right? (laughs) Praise God. All right, well... We are going to go ahead and get into the Word of God tonight. Uh, man, this is something that's really been stirring on my heart for a couple of weeks now. And I guess it's just important to me that Christians everywhere, uh, whether you're part of this church or some other church, you live in California, you live in some other state, whatever, it's super important that we realize that we are living in the end times. Now, you've heard that your whole life, if you're like me, man, I I've been hearing that since the 90s, since whenever. I've been hearing that my entire life, but it's real, okay? And we have been in the end times this whole time, but we're just getting this much closer to Jesus returning. We're seeing signs all over the place. I mean, from from the beginning of this year up until the very present moment, I mean, just last week we've got a a peace treaty signed between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. I mean, come on. There is stuff going on week by week, day by day, and if you don't see it, it's either because you're blind or you're just choosing to pretend it's not happening. But whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we agree with it or not, whether we want to believe it's true or not, Jesus is coming soon. And with that being said, it's more important than ever that we are connected plugged in as close as we have ever been to Jesus. This is undeniably the worst time ever to let go of Jesus. And in fact, Isaiah chapter 60 kind of phrases it one way. It says that concerning all of this, that that it's going to get darker and darker. Gross darkness is going to cover the earth. But it says for the people of God, it's actually going to get brighter and brighter with the glory of God. And so You know, it depends on what side of the fence you are. This could be the darkest, worst days that you've ever seen and getting a lot worse. Or this could be a great time with the glory of God shining on your life and absolutely just the best days you've ever had. So, I mean, to me, it's a pretty obvious choice which way I want my life to be. But we've all got to make that choice for ourselves. So... The opening verse tonight is Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16. Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16. And uh, we read this last week, and this is probably a verse you've heard a lot of times because it is a pretty famous verse. But this is Jesus speaking here. Uh, he, he writes a letter. Uh, John, he has John uh, give a message to the seven churches. And uh, this is the church of Laodicea. And he, Jesus has this to say to them. I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And so, I, again, I, I just to backtrack a little bit, that always confused me. I'm thinking, why, Jesus, would you tell somebody, I'd rather you just be cold than lukewarm? Because I'm thinking, well, at least a lukewarmer is halfway there. But Jesus says, no, I mean, that makes me want to puke. Makes me, not, I don't want anything to do with that. And and we've said it before, and I, I you know, I don't want to go into all of it. But a lukewarm Christian is a danger to themselves because they think they've got it all together. They think they're prepared for battle, but they're not. They're also 
dangerous to their fellow soldiers that think that, hey, this person's got my back. And really, when trouble comes, the lukewarmers just scatter every man for himself, right? And then they're also a danger because they fool other people in this world to saying, hey, if that's what a Christian's like, I don't, I don't think I need that. I'm good with my own problems. So being lukewarm is definitely not what Jesus intended. He intended for us to be in the fire, red hot, ready to serve him with everything. Amen. So last week we looked at a few signs of being lukewarm. I'm going to look at three signs tonight. Three, the wonderful number. And these are three signs of being lukewarm. Again, not judging you, not condemning you. I don't even know who it is that's watching right now. All I'm saying is examine ourselves because I'll tell you this, I've been doing a lot of self-examination over this entire year, but over these last few months, especially saying, God, I, I gotta be right with you. I've got to have everything as good with you as I possibly can because I need to be used by you. So Signs of being lukewarm, number one, and, and the, these first two, you know, are, are kind of like, really? But, but just follow me. Number one, signs of being lukewarm, you receive, but you don't give. You receive, but you don't give. And a lukewarm Christian, that's it, man. They'll, they'll receive all day long. They're like, hey, man, you got something to give? My name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me, right? My name's Paul. I'll go ahead and take it all. But that's not what Jesus expects for us, right? And so one thing I was thinking of is the Dead Sea in Israel. It, it has, it's, it's called the Dead Sea because there's no life in it. It is, I think, nine times saltier than the ocean, for one. It's just full of all this salt, but the water, it, it can't sustain life, and it's too toxic for human consumption. You can't drink it. Basically, it's a giant body of water that's totally useless for most purposes other than maybe swimming in. And the main issue is, well, one, it's the lowest point on, on planet Earth below sea level as far as uh, the valley that it's in. But also this, it has an inlet from the Jordan River, water flows into it, but it has no output. It just takes in water all the time, but it never gives any water out. Water trickles in from the Jordan and maybe a few other small tributaries, but it never releases any water. And the water becomes this nasty, stagnant, useless water. And the truth is, sadly, that's how a lot of people are. A lot of Christians, they've got stuff coming in. They've got nice, wonderful people pouring life and giving into their life, but they never give back out. And when that's the case, man, it just becomes stagnant and you get this stagnant, lukewarm, kind of useless water and sadly, sometimes person. And, and that is not the will of God. He wants us to be taking it in because man, we're supposed to be receivers, but we also have to be givers and a lukewarm Christian. They'll receive, but they never want to give. Let's look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. And this is, uh, a great, great verse that maybe you've heard before, but you got to realize how much truth is wrapped in here. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. 
And, uh, and again, examine your life through all of this. You know, don't, as I said in the sermon Sunday, don't be looking at the word tonight through a mirror saying, oh man, I know who this applies to. I hope he's listening tonight or I hope she's getting, don't be looking through a mirror or through a window, be looking in a mirror at the word of God and saying, how can I get better? How can I change? How can I be closer to Jesus? So Acts chapter 20, verse 35 Paul said, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now to on fire, committed, mature, red hot Christians, they read that verse and they're like, no, duh, absolutely. But to a lukewarm or cold Christian, they read that verse and they're like, no, it's not. Everybody knows it's better to get than to give. Everybody knows it's better to receive than give. And, and I mean, to some people, this doesn't make any sense at all. But to a, a mature, faithful Christian, they read that and they're like, absolutely, that's the truth. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, some people only equate giving to money and, uh, and no doubt about it, a lot of the Bible is referring to the giving of money. And in fact, this very verse is referring to the giving of finances. If you read the the ch- verses around it, Paul is talking about financially, resourcefully giving, and that's a great thing. But our giving is not only about giving of our money. And a, and a, a hot, on-fire Christian knows that. They know that, yeah, absolutely, I'm gonna, of course I'm gonna give God my tithe, no doubt about it. I, I mean, I, I don't, no argument there, it's the least I could do. And in fact, we'll take it a step further. Uh, a serious, committed Christian, they'll, they'll do the tithe, but then they'll give offerings on top of that. They'll help charity on top of that. They'll help missionaries on top of that. They'll give to those in need on top of that because it's in their heart. But also, they want to give of their time. They want to serve God at church whether it's in the nursery or children's church or or being an usher or a greeter at the door or cleaning the church. I mean, you just want to give some of your time back to God. Well, I don't have much. Well, I'm glad that Jesus had the time for me that day that I needed somebody to die for my sins, right? So, hey, when we want to do something, we make it happen. And when I want to, when I want to buy something, I somehow always find the money, surprisingly. Or if I want to really go on a vacation, I somehow find a way to make it happen. And if I want to serve God at church or anywhere else, I somehow find a way to make it happen. And so that's another, I should have put that as a point tonight. I don't know why I didn't, but here's a good point for you. A lukewarm Christian always makes excuses. So if we go a third week, just be prepared now that that's probably coming at you next week, because that is a really good word that just came. So, um, but a lukewarm Christian, they are a giver, not only of their time, but of their talents. God gave you a talent. Why don't you use it for him? God gave you a gift and an ability. Why don't you use it for him? You know, I think about the story of the little red hen. Now let's just go into story time for here. Just a minute. Just me and you story time. And there's, I've, there's a story that I've heard since my childhood about this little red hen. And she gets this idea one day that she wants some fresh baked bread. So she's like, it's going to take a minute, but, uh, she's got to plant, plant some wheat and, and go through the whole process. So she goes around and tells everybody, Hey, anybody want some bread? And everyone's like, yeah, bread. Well, who wants to help me plant the wheat? Well, nobody. Well, no, no, I don't want to do that. So she's like, well, that's fine. I'll do it. She plants the wheat. Then it's time to harvest it. Who wants to help me harvest the wheat? 
uh, no, I don't think so. And like, well, okay, I'll do it myself. And then, hey, it's time to turn this into flour. Who wants to help? And then crickets. No one's around. And so finally, she bakes the bread, gets it out of the oven, and it's like, hey, everybody, the bread's done. Yeah, everybody's happy and excited. And who wants to eat some bread with me? Yeah, everybody's on board. Everybody's got her back now. And then she's like, no, you didn't help me plant it. You didn't help me harvest it. You didn't help me mill it. And you didn't help me bake it. I'm eating all this bread by myself. And that's a whole lot of carbs for one little hen. But listen right here. Now, listen, she totally burned all those guys because they didn't want to contribute. Oh, they wanted to receive, but they didn't want to give. And everybody wants the promises of God's word. Everybody wants all the good stuff, but not a whole lot of people want to be involved in the rest of it. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 10 too, that the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And so pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth more laborers into his harvest field. And so I'm telling you right now, everybody wants the rapture. Everybody wants to go to heaven but we need to do our part right now too. Amen? And so if if you've been lukewarm in this, man, be a giver, okay? Not just of your finances, but of everything else that you've got because Jesus gave to you. Point number two is this. Uh, What is a sign of being a lukewarm Christian? Number two, people around you don't know you're a Christian. I I think I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it for those in the back. You're lukewarm if people around you don't know you're a Christian. It should not shock people when they hear that you go to church. If that's the case, something went wrong somewhere. A friend of mine told me a story one day that he was told his friends, oh, guys, I, I can't go to the movies with you Wednesday. I'm supposed to you know, be at church that night. And everyone was like, what? You go to church? They were, they were shocked. They were flabbergasted that this guy went to church. And he told me, man, it was then that I, I knew something, uh, something ain't right about that. That ain't right. And he was only in high school at the time, but he made a good point. Listen, if everybody around you doesn't know that you're a Christian, doesn't know that you go to church, and on top of that, they're just absolute, they about pass out when they hear that you go to church. That's a very bad sign that you aren't really letting your light shine. And so let's look at a verse here regarding this. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. So any church people out there, say hey, throw your hands in the air, throw some com- put some comments on there, and you know, let us know that that's not you that that happens to. Well, that's somebody else, but it's definitely not you. So give a thumbs up or something on those comments. But Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 16, the words of Jesus, not my words, don't get mad at me, the words of Jesus, he says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. I'm the light of the world. I thought a pastor was the light of the world, right? I thought that Brian Besser was the light of the world, or I, but, but me? Hey, you claim to be a Christian. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. You'll see beside me, I've got a beautiful lamp right here. Very, I mean, you could go down to Ikea and get yourself one of these. But listen, this lamp is kind of bringing a little bit of light in here right now. How stupid would it be if I just came in and turned the lamp on, then I put a giant basket over it, then I'm like, 
Ah, there we go. I want the lamp to exist, but I just don't want anybody else to know that I own it. I don't want anybody else to know that I have it. And that's how a lot of people are with their faith. They want it to be there. They, they, they want to have something, you know, to cling on to or whatever. And they want it to exist. They just don't want anybody else to know about it. And I'm like, that, that doesn't make any sense. That, that, that's always confused me. And one massive lie that people buy into is, well, faith is a, it's a private matter. It's, it's personal. And I, man, I hear politicians say stupid stuff like that. And somebody will ask a question. Well, what's, what, what do you believe? What's your faith? Well, you know, hey, hey, I, I, I understand where you're at. And I, be, I have my faith. I have my convictions, but that's a private matter. And as soon as somebody says something stupid like that, I understand that you say that because you don't have any faith. The only way you would say something that ignorant is because you don't have any faith or any, any guts to stand up for something or else you wouldn't say something like that. But I like what Jesus said in Matthew 10 verse 27. He said, what I whisper in your ear, shout from the rooftops for all to hear. And so Jesus said, I'm telling you stuff, but it's not for you to keep it to yourself. It's for you to shout from the rooftops for all to hear. And so when Jesus speaks a word to you, when you get a hold of the word of God, you don't keep it to yourself. You want everybody else to know about it. And so if Jesus has changed your life, tell somebody, don't keep it to yourself. You know, one thing I've noticed in our modern society is if you find a good ice cream shop, you go on internet and tell everybody you can possibly tell about it. They have got the best mint chocolate chip that I have ever had in my life. And I just got to, and you take pictures of your food that none of us really want to see. Sorry. But anyway, you take pictures of your food and you, you know, you're taking, you know, I mean, you, you do everything you can to tell about a good ice cream cone or you find a good nail salon and you got to tell, and these are great things. I mean, ladies, get your nails did, do some good stuff, but listen, that's all good. But if I can tell people about where I got a haircut or my nails done or where I got a good cheeseburger why do I have to keep it to myself about Jesus saved me from hell? Jesus came and sought me and he bought me and he cleaned me up and gave me another chance, but I just don't want anybody to know about it. That's between me and him. No, everybody needs to know what Jesus has done in your life. And I know in, in 2020, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been difficult for everybody, but even as church leaders, you know, you've got, you got everybody's opinion. Some people think that we're too strict with our in-service rules. Some people think that, oh man, they're, they're way too loose. Some people, they're too strict. Some people open the doors. Some people close the doors. Some people do this. Some people do, and you got everybody's opinion. And, you know, as we're praying and trying to weigh everybody's opinion and finally like, listen, there's only one opinion that counts, and that's Jesus' opinion. And I'm, we're going to drive ourselves crazy running in circles if we just want to make everybody happy. We've got to please God. And so, listen, that Jesus is the only opinion that truly matters in anything. And, and that's what we're talking about. Just stick with him and let him be the light in your heart. Romans chapter 1. Let's look here real quick before we move forward. Romans chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 16, Romans chapter one and verse 16. And there's some verses that I've heard throughout the years that I always thought, well, Hey, that's a great verse, but they become more real than ever before. And and the current day and age that we live in, I mean, they've just become so much more real and meaningful 
to us. So this is one of those verses, I believe. Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And so I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And some people, they'd say, well, I'm not ashamed either. I just don't want anybody to know that I believe it. You're ashamed. Quit lying to yourself. Or some people are like, I know, but I just don't think that everybody, this is the time for every Christian to speak up, not about your politics, not about for your, you know, what your favorite ice cream is or your favorite TV show, whatever, whatever. You got to do what you got to do. But this is the time for Christians to rise up and speak about the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, no matter who you are, where you're from, the power of God to save us. This is the gospel and we aren't ashamed of it. And so, so quit, quit, quit putting a basket over your gospel. Quit putting a, a, a basket over your, over the light that you do have and start letting it shine for everybody to see Jesus loves you and Jesus loves everybody. Amen. And so the third thing I'm going to say about this, we're talking about signs of being lukewarm. And again, you're just examining yourself. You're not examining me or your neighbor or whoever. Examine yourself. So number three is this. You care more about people's opinion than God's. You care more about people's opinion than God's. And I just alluded to this just a few minutes ago, but it's again, it's been in 2020 leaders have had to make lots of decisions. And I mean, business leaders, right? And small businesses, large businesses, uh, teachers, everybody, they just had to make really hard decisions. And as a Christian, it's easy to look at it. Well, what are, what's this guy doing? And what are they saying? Well, what do these people want? And for us, God's opinion matters more than people's opinions. Now we're not out there to, you know, try to offend everybody and, 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 and be like that. But at the same time, God's opinion and, and, and the Bible is what matters more than anything else. So definitely way too many Christians say they want to please God with their words, but their actions say something completely different. And one thing that I've seen is a lot of, I would guess I would say chameleons, you know, people that just blend in, you know, depending on who they're around and like, well, Hey, uh, you know, this crowd, they, they want to go with this. So I'll, you know, I'll just kind of put my faith to the side here and just be silent about Jesus. Then they're with this group over here and amen, man, I love the Lord. And, and yeah, that's right. Hallelujah. And that's not what a sold out mature on fire Christian does. This is exactly how you become lukewarm. You just adjust to the temperature around you. You know, if some, if somebody wanted to have directions on how to make lukewarm water, I mean, you know, you see recipes all the time. Well, here's the recipe for how to make lukewarm water. Get a cup of water, whether you got it from the boiling stove or from the ice cold refrigerator, just get a cup of water and sit it on the counter and do nothing else. In a short amount of time, you will have lukewarm water because it will adjust to the environment around it and just blend in and become like everything else is. And that's what a lukewarm Christian does. They just adjust 
to their environment. They know how to speak the right words around Christians, but then around everybody else, they just kind of blend in and do the same thing there. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. And I get it. Nobody likes rejection. Nobody wants to, you know, be uh, mocked and nobody wants to be pushed around for their beliefs. Nobody wants to uh, be rejected for believing in Jesus. But at the same time, Jesus said, hey, that's going to eventually happen. In fact, it says in Second Timothy 3 that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will end up suffering persecution. Now, we've had it pretty good, in, at least in the Western world, for a very long time where we didn't really see a whole lot of that. But hey, it looks like the time's here where we're going to see some of that. And we just got to decide, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm standing for Jesus no matter what. I'm not wishing for and hoping for and praying for persecution, but chances are in 2020 and beyond, if you're going to actually live the Christian life, really live it, you probably will receive some persecution for it. I don't want to say to what extent because I don't know, but chances are it's going to actually happen. So Galatians 1.10 Galatians 1.10, here's what Paul had to say, and I know that Paul was a guy that cared a lot more about pleasing God than just making everybody else happy. Galatians 1 and verse 10, and Paul put it this way, he said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. If please, I mean, think about that. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. If your whole goal is to make people happy with you, you definitely don't ever want to become a preacher. If, if, uh, if, if making everybody happy and, and pleasing everybody is uh, your goal, then you're not going to be able to be a mature Christian because you're going to take a stand for some things that's going to rub some people the wrong way. You're going to take a stand for some things that's going to probably upset some people. But either way, we have got to follow the word of God and we've got to do things God's way. Paul obviously wasn't a man pleaser. And did he pay for it? Yeah, he paid for it. He got arrested. He got beat up. He eventually, he did eventually uh, die for his beliefs and, you know, praise God. But he was faithful to the end. And even before death, he's like, I'm not afraid. You know, I'm ready for this. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. I, I've been faithful to God. There's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. He knew what was coming for him. And so he wasn't afraid. And he would rather go down like he did with God than, than have caved in and, and given in to the rest of the world. And so if you want to please people, you'll never be a mature Christian. And I hate to say that because I'm somebody that I just like everybody to be happy and comfortable and, and, and all this stuff. But eventually you can't do that. And so Proverbs 29 verse 25, Proverbs 29 verse 25. And this is uh, just a great verse for uh, the fear of the Lord. And we know fearing the Lord means respecting Him, reverencing Him, and and obeying Him more than anything else. So Proverbs 29, 25, it says, fearing people is a really great idea. No, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. 
Now, as we're clearly in the end times, and I mean, that's, you know, that's not even up for debate, really. But, hey, if somebody wants to debate it, we could probably prove that quite easily. Yeah, but anyway, as we are clearly in the end times, one of the biggest things that you need is safety. You need safety for you and for your family. So how do you get that safety? Well, I thought it came from just listening to the CDC and they'll take good care of me. No, no. Uh, well, I thought it came about if, you know, maybe if they give us another stimulus check. Man, hey, everybody likes money, but listen, listen right now, listen. Fearing man, fearing people is a dangerous trap. Safety comes by trusting the Lord. So how do we get that safety? By trusting God, by sticking close to Him and trusting in Him. I want to show you one last verse tonight. First Thessalonians 2 verse 4. First Thessalonians 2 verse 4. I hope you're sticking with us. Try to just really get to the point tonight, but this is some stuff that we need to hear because it's time for Christians to rise up and be ready. First Corinthians two and verse four, and it says this, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. You've been entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Why is that? Because he alone can examine the motives of our hearts. And that's something very serious for us to look at in our day and in our age and in the the world that we live in now. That people, they'll judge everything you do by your actions, but God is looking at your heart. And so, yeah, you may make mistakes here and there. You may do imperfect things here and there, but God is looking directly at your heart and he's examining those motives. And so I'm just challenging you with everything that we've said tonight, everything that we've gone over about being lukewarm. Maybe you need to take your temperature. Maybe you need to, uh, to look at, uh, your own life for just a minute and say, Hey, is it possible that I've been receiving, but never really giving out? Is it is it even remotely possible that I've been uh, letting other people's uh, attitudes and, and opinions influence me and, and make more of a difference to me than what God's opinion is? Just examine yourself because we need every Christian brother and sister. We need every Christian soldier geared up and ready for the end times battle. And, and we can lay aside differences and all that stuff. But listen, this is the time for us to rise up because Jesus is coming soon. It, I mean, for all we know, it could be this week. It could be this year. And I've heard that a long time, but it's really getting more real right now, day by day. And so we have got to be ready. Don't let that moment catch you off guard. I want to pray over you tonight. And then we're going to speak our Barstow Faith Confession and we'll let you uh, finish cooling off and get the kids to bed and, and have a great night. All right, so let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for anybody and everybody that tuned in tonight, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you are speaking to us in this season. You're showing us what we need to do to change, Lord. You're showing us what we need to do to be more and more like you so we are ready for the rapture, so we are ready for any battle 
battles that come our way, God, we want to have you on our side. And we definitely want to be on your side, God. So I say in Jesus' name, you have full permission to come in and and rattle us up a little bit and get our attention so we can be more and more like you and more strong for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, so... Remember, uh, church Sunday, 10 o'clock, and family service down there at 6 o'clock Sunday. T-shirts are in. Pick up your T-shirt uh, with the Barstow Faith Confession. Uh, we've got a few more coming in. So just lots of wonderful stuff going on, and it's an exciting time to be alive. This isn't the darkest of days. This is the brightest of days for the people of God. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow, shall we? Let's do this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. We'll see you Sunday. Stay cool, all right? Love you.